Hi everyone, how you doing? JJ Walsh here in Hiroshima. So I'd use this chance today to talk about a recent trip I did to a very sustainable destination in Japan called Kamikatsu, which I've been to a few times. And I thought the insights from this travel might be interesting for you wherever you are in Japan or whether you're thinking about future travel or, you know, thinking about these ideas for your own travel or your own life or your own work. So I thought it might be interesting for you to see a recent trip. It's been so long since I've traveled and done a destination consulting. So this is a great chance to go back to Kamikatsu. This is my third time. And I first went six years ago. And I think it's one of the reasons that I ended up being so passionate about sustainability in Japan because it, it inspired me in so many ways. And I felt like when I was talking to local business people and locals in Kamikatsu, that I was on the same wavelength, that they were trying to reduce waste and manage their zero waste targets, but deeper than that they had uh, bigger goals for a sustainable living or a sustainable business and trying to make it happen. There's also a really interesting combination in Kamikatsu, which you often don't find in other destinations. They have been trying to do uh, zero waste, waste sorting management since 2003. So it's been 18 years since they started these initiatives and it came out of a need to have a waste sorting system when they didn't have curbside pickup like a lot of uh, places, destinations around Japan do. Um, so they created a central waste sorting area and they tried to reduce waste uh, because they didn't have a landfill as well. So one of the key things they did is they made 100% composting. And after I visited the first time, I really had the impression that the 100% composting initiative was a very clear way to get everybody to reduce kitchen waste or food waste and reuse it back to the soil. But also it took a huge burden off of the garbage collection or the garbage sorting area. So when I came home after that first trip six years ago, I decided to buy one of the electric composting machines that they uh, give a subsidy to, to all local people in Kamikatsu. And I bought it secondhand myself and I was using it and it would change my kitchen waste into kind of a potpourri dried out version of the wet kitchen waste and then I put that in my garden and that seemed to work really well. Um, that machine has since broken unfortunately <laughs> but now I dig in our compost and our kitchen waste and food waste never goes back into our garbage and in that way since I've been doing it I have reduced our home garbage by one-third and I heard that is true for people living in Kamikatsu or other areas when they start home composting as well, is that they're able to reduce their home waste, how much waste you have to put out on the curb by one third. I also heard this when I went to San Francisco and I visited the Recology uh, Waste Management and Recycling Center. And they also have in San Francisco, 100% curbside, pickup of composting so everybody is supposed to keep your compost separate from your waste there and one of the things the manager at Recology said is it keeps the recycling cleaner because you're not mixing the wet food or the coffee grounds together with your cardboard boxes or other recyclables that the, the quality of the recyclable material is higher and they can get more money back from the recyclables that way. So I thought that was a really interesting add-on. And of course, when I went to San Francisco, I mentioned about Kamikatsu 
and my learnings about compost and other zero waste management there. It was really interesting to compare in the American system and the Japanese system and what we should be doing more of in other areas of Japan. So that was my first trip six years ago. My biggest takeaway was about composting.、Uh, another trip、uh, three years ago, and I learned a little bit about the leaf business, which I'll, I'll show you from this trip this year a little bit. I learned a little bit more.、Um, but this trip was great working with Heartland Japan and、uh, trying to develop. Uh, active sustainable travel destination plan for their business.、Um, and they have a great、uh, focus on getting out, being active. And so I was able to experience new parts of Kamikatsu, for example, hiking in the forest and things that I'd never done before because my first two trips were really just focused on zero waste. And so talking to businesses and being in, in the town area. Um, so, I'll show you some of my photos here. Let's do a little slideshow. Okay, so actually, before I went to Kamikatsu,、um, for the last couple of years, I'm trying to be more plant based vegan, which is even when I accept vegetarian in my day to day because there isn't much choice. I try, especially when I do destination travel consulting, to ask for only plant based vegan. And so before I joined this trip,、um, they, the planners for Heartland Japan did a great job, but they told me it was so difficult to arrange vegan meals. So I should try to eat in Tokushima before I drove up the mountain into the town of Kamikatsu. So I found this great place. Um, in Tokushima, right near the station. And、uh, what is the name? I think the next slide I have the name. But this was a beautiful、um, burger. He said it's a kale burger、uh, with lentil, lent, made with lentils burger and kale, and there's carrot and pickles inside. And the bun is made with charcoal. And it was absolutely delicious. And it's called Nas Cafe in Tokushima, I just remembered. And、uh, so he said, usually, or sometimes for customers, he'll put chicken on. So on his normal menu, he has a variety of plant based、uh, curries or burgers or salads, but he also offers meat versions. So, he can really appeal to basically all customers. And this is one of the keys, I think, to any destination trying to be more sustainable. You're going to start attracting more customers, especially when inbound comes back, who are seeking plant based options. So, if you have a burger like this, for example, and the base is plant based, if you have a customer who wants chicken, of course, you can add chicken. If you have a customer who wants seafood, you can add seafood, right? So you use this foundation of plant based and have it on your menu, and you can have that flexibility to offer options to almost any customer. So I thought this was a great example of the kind of sustainable options that I would suggest to any destination who wants to be more sustainable. And at Nescafe, he also has a lot of regional area fruits, which he presses and、uh, makes into healthy juices and detox. And I think if you are also a business trying to get sustainable seeking customers, this is a good target to aim for the healthy minded customer seeking salads and detox juices. That's a great target. All right.、Uh, so, Nescafe in Tokushima. Really nice young entrepreneur running the shop and always on the menu, plant based options. So,、uh, this is once I was in Kamikotsu, I was really happy that I did have amazing meals, but everything had to be booked in advance. And this is definitely a hurdle if you want to open your destination. 
more to sustainable seeking travelers. You should have at least one vegan option on all of your menus in all of your eateries, if possible. What amazing branding that would be. So people could come and know that if they just came, they could order it off the menu. Uh, they wouldn't have to stress about it. They wouldn't have to order in advance, which you're talking about language hurdles, how to find out who to ask, uh, whether they can communicate that clearly. So there's a lot of hurdles in trying to book things in advance. So definitely, if you have it on your menu all the time, you can add meat, add seafood, but have that flexibility to cater to anyone if you have that plant-based base. Anyway. I made it up the hill to Kamikatsu and saw the new facility called Y, W-H-Y. And this is a great name for a new waste sorting facility. And they have like an education space and a hotel. The structure is made in the same design and the same reusable style as the Rise and Win craft beer place, which is at the base of the hill and which I'll talk about later, um, which I visited, of course, two times before when I visited Kamikatsu. But this Y facility is a brand new facility that was just opened. Uh, the last time I visited three years ago, uh, it looked like it was supposed to launch soon after my visit, but it took a lot longer than expected but they've done a beautiful job. It's in a great location overlooking the mountains and the river below. All the windows are reused windows from abandoned buildings and facilities around the area. And so you see this real mix match of diverse types of windows and doors mixed together with local wood from the area. And this was something new that I learned this time is that Kamikatsu was very famous for its lumber, for its wood. And we noted, we talked about this a lot when we did our forest hikes. So any new wood that they were using is domestic wood. Now, when I reformed my own house, remodeled my own house, um, I was always asking for domestic wood because I heard that there's a lot of domestic wood that's not being used and a lot of the builders are using only imported wood um, because the image was the quality was higher. But I wanted to use domestic wood, so I kept asking and eventually I got there. But the standard use of wood comes from other countries. And Kamikatsu had a booming lumber industry for a long time. But now, according to uh, our guide who took us for the hike, they can only sell one of these big cedar trees, one of them for a thousand yen right now, $10 for one tree. And of course, you're going to have to pay a lot more um, for the labor costs, the transportation costs than $10 for each tree. So it's not a viable market right now. It doesn't make sense. So the fact that this building, when they used some new wood, was using wood from the local area, that shows an added investment in the local economy, which I was really happy to see. So even though it's probably cheaper <laughs> to use imported wood, it's definitely better for clearing the forest and for the local economy to source the wood locally. So I was really happy. And I just, I love the design of the building. It's so beautiful. So there's this big green open space. All the tiles I used are salvaged from derelict buildings. Um, so you see the variety of all the wood all the window styles. Uh, when I talked to the staff at Rise and Win about their building design, they were telling me that actually it was really complicated for the builders to fit in all these different sizes of windows and doors together in the same frame. But uh, I heard that making this second facility in the same way 
the builders were accustomed to what they needed to do to make everything fit. And uh, yeah, isn't it beautiful? I love it. So this is the outside of the Y facility. This part is the waste sorting area. And visitors can't really get in right now to the waste sorting area because um, during certain times, this is when the locals come and sort out their waste. So they don't really want tourists standing around uh, taking photos or talking about what waste they have. It's kind of a private thing, right? You feel a little bit embarrassed about the waste that you have. So we couldn't really go into the area because it was during the time when the locals are invited to come and, and sort out their waste. Um, but this is the new facility. Now, I don't think I have, I didn't have a drone, so I don't have a picture from the top. But if you search about the Y facility, W-H-Y Kamikatsu, um, you can see the picture from the top. And this part of the facility is making the shape of a question mark. So it goes along with the idea of why, the name of why. So why kamikatsu, why sort your waste, right? Uh, they sort it into 45 categories. And um, they, I don't think I have a picture this time, but next to every waste sorting area, they mark the cost of that of waste of giving that material to the waste center and the benefit. So how much it costs to throw that away, how much money they get back for recycling. So I would love to see this in every area. You know, you have your garbage poster everywhere in Japan and it tells you what you can throw away on which day and you have to take that material out on that certain day. It would also be great if every year you get that poster, it tells you how much that material costs us as taxpayers to throw away and how much that material has a benefit in sales back to the economy, back to the community. Because there is definitely some materials which have a cost benefit and some which just have a cost. So basically anything plastic, you have a cost. But aluminum has a good sellback rate. So they have this written very clearly as a part of transparency on each item. How much does it cost to throw away? How much benefit do they get back for the recycling? That's a really interesting part of the waste management area. And all the windows open, uh, beautiful breezes coming through from the valley. Kamikatsu has a, a gorgeous valley. Um, I asked about uh, renewable energy and the answer was it's kind of difficult for most of the facilities because they're mostly in the shade, um, which makes it a perfect place to visit for summer not a perfect place for solar power. Um, but I did see some wind energy, windmills on some of the hills uh, in the distance. So there is a little bit of renewable energy going on. And when we visited the hotel, we also learned about their biomass um, that they're using for energy using local wood, which is another cool initiative. Um, this is another side of the wide facility. Let me see if I can make it bigger. I don't know why I can't make it bigger here. Um, hold on, hold on. Here we go. Oh, is that any better? <laughs> hey, Peter from Colorado. Thanks for joining. I'm talking about a, a recent trip I had to a town in Japan, which is trying to uh, move ahead with zero waste initiatives to be more sustainable. Hey, thanks for joining. Great to see you here too. So this is the side of their waste sorting facility and they have reused 
um, old doors and windows and parts of old buildings which were abandoned from the local area. So putting back into use um, things that are still good and extending the life of these materials, which of course is more sustainable than using new materials. And I think it has a lot of charm because it actually adds a lot to the design and it looks really cool. So really happy to see that. Oh, thanks for the award, appreciate that. All right, so let's keep going. So I love, you know, you can imagine what the houses looked like, what these doors were on the front of the houses or side of the house. I love that design, it's great. Um, this area is really cute, of course, play area for kids, but this is also another project they were doing from Kamikatsu to try to reuse some of the waste that they were, they were using. Of course, everybody has to use plastic. There really isn't much choice in our daily life. So they were working with a company to try to repurpose some of the waste plastic into other uses. So they were able to take some of the waste plastic and turn it into blocks, which the kids could play with. And then this was another nice way to uh, spread awareness and have education with the kids talking about, ah, this came from the plastic waste. Isn't it nice that we could reuse it and make it into toys? And hope you guys enjoy playing with it. So it's kind of a, a nice variety of ways instead of just lecturing people or just talking about zero waste all the time to actually show ways of innovation where waste could be reutilized, repurposed in useful and even stylish or cool ways that are needed. So I, I love this, the kids' blocks. So that's called the recreation, recreation project uh, using the plastic waste and recreating into new products. Now this facility also has a brand new hotel and they have four beautiful rooms and a real uh, beautiful combination of reuse of old materials together with new wood from the local area, together with if they have to buy something new, they make sure it's of a very high quality. So that was really nice to see a new stylish innovation, reuse of the old and the new together. Um, hey, Chris, thanks for joining. Uh, so they uh, gave us a tour, a lovely young woman. I don't have her name right now, I'm so sorry. Uh, she works at this Y facility and hotel, and she explained all the different parts of the design and the facility to us. In the center there, you can see all the rocks in the design, and that's from the local river. These are the typical green river rocks, but they've repurposed them to make a cool area in between the hotel rooms. And on rainy days, it collects the water below, and it also has a really beautiful sound. You can see through to one of the rooms here, and on this side, they have the valley mountain view and a nice terrace in front. And on the other side, they have a mountain view um, of the street and mountain, not the valley. But I, it reminded me of when I visited, um, oh my gosh, the Royal Hawaiian in Hawaii, the Pink Hotel in Waikiki. Because when I visited with students on a tourist consulting trip, um, consulting and research ship, we were asking about um, the design of the rooms. And anybody who's been to Waikiki in Hawaii knows that stylish pink hotel right there on the main Waikiki beach. And apparently the rooms that looked out onto the ocean, which now 
we would consider the most expensive hotel rooms that everybody would want to pay a lot to spend their time in, right? But when the Royal Hawaiian was made, the way people would come to the islands is by ship. And often it would take a really long time, a month or two to get there. So the last thing they wanted to look at was the ocean. <laughs> the most expensive and spacious rooms in the Royal Hawaiian originally were of the mountains, which must have been beautiful back then of the, the jungle and the beautiful Hawaiian birds and everything. But they had to completely renovate to make the rooms that face the ocean, which were used only for uh, the lower class people or the slaves or their assistants. They had to repurpose and change all the rooms around. So looking at a typical hotel now and the view of the valley or the view of the ocean is the more expensive room always reminds me of that story of Hawaii. Hey, Dan, thanks for joining. Has Kamikatsu taken advantage of the recent zero interest loans to banks for green projects? Do you know any projects that have taken advantage of this new scheme? I do not. But I know that there is a lot of uh, collaboration between the local businesses and the local town government. And the town government is very active in talking to the national government and the regional government and getting funding. So I didn't ask about that, but I'm going back in September for another part of the research trip. So I will ask then. Thank you so much. I'll let you know later. All right, so this is back at the Y Hotel still. And she's explaining about this skylight that allows the rainwater in and the river rocks and the beautiful sound. This is the front deck area where you can sit and look at the valley. Apparently the, the sun comes over the valley. So it's beautiful, especially at sunrise. And then, like I said, a lot of kamikatsu is in the valley. So it's actually very cool up there most of the day, even in the summer. So this is where they're using uh, natural materials, but very high quality materials. If they have to have anything new, um, they are really thinking about having something stylish, highly efficient, trying to reuse wherever possible. And if it's not possible to reuse and make it look stylish, whatever new thing they use is highly efficient, is very stylish, but also very high quality. And I think this is really important to have this combination in terms of attracting new customers and new visitors and people who want to stay a while, which of course is another target for any sustainable destination. You don't want people coming just for half day or even a day. You want people to stay at least two nights spend a bit of time there. You can see on the left side, they have refillable bottles. This is pretty standard at most hotels now. You have reusable, refillable bottles. Um, they keep refilling with high quality shampoo and body soap and stuff. And then down below, you see the typical uh, Japanese onsen style stool and bucket to put water on yourself from the bath and wash with the little shower outside the bath and then get in the bath, which is a little bit um, more narrow, but deeper than a West Western bath. And then usually because you washed before you got in, you would share that bath water and not get the bath water dirty with shampoo or soap or anything, keep it clean, just water, soak in the bath. And then everybody in your family would share that same bath water. So of course, that's more sustainable. You're using a lot less water than usual. I love that part of Japanese culture. So it's nice to see even in a modern hotel, the same idea is used. And very stylish um, sinks you see in modern hotels. Uh, the glasses you can see, like a typical hotel might have all the glasses covered in a plastic film you don't see any single-use plastic in this hotel at all. This is really cute. Uh, this is their waste 
sorting part of the hotel. And this was an interesting conversation I had on my two previous visits to Kamikatsu as well. If you open the town to tourism, how do you manage waste, right? Is always the question because the local people are really struggling to reach as high a target as they can for zero waste. Now, if you open to visitors, can you ask the visitor to also sort all their garbage to not bring in things which are going to add to the waste problem? So there's a lot of thinking that goes on trying to balance the needs of local people with the needs of the incoming tourists, which is so important part of foundation of any sustainable destination. You have to really try to balance and keep the quality for local people while appealing and keeping high quality for the visitor who wants, hopefully, to stay, spend money, and uh, not only appreciate your area, but also contribute to the local economy, right? So it's supposed to be a balance of people, planet, and profit. So this is interesting, kind of a compromise to allow the visitor to do the waste sorting as a part of their stay, but to make it a little bit easier for them and sort in the room and then not interfere with the local waste sorting area. So then the staff would take that over and put it into the big bins for them. But the consciousness is there from the guest who's incoming to also sort the waste, but the consciousness is also there from the local staff to make sure it doesn't, the visitor waste doesn't become a burden for the local community. And I thought that was such an interesting part of this new facility. So more of the sorting tubs. And you can see they've done a good job with uh, English and Japanese. It's not easy to know which item you have to sort in which area. And then it looks like a typical section of the hotel. They have a lot of the same hotel room services, right? You've got a safe to use. You've got cups to use. You've got coffee that you can use. But an interesting thing about the coffee and tea is that when you check in to the hotel, they ask you how much soap you're going to need. And they ask you to cut your own section of soap that you're going to use in your room. And they ask you how much coffee you're going to need. And they give you only as much coffee as you think you're going to need to use. And tea as well. So they have a beautiful local tea called Bancha. And they ask you how much you think you'll need. And they try to give you only as much as you think you will need for this stay. So the whole idea of raising awareness, raising consciousness about how much we're using as consumers and being more mindful of trying to consume without waste is another aspect of this hotel upon check-in, which I thought was really interesting. And uh, it's very different from your usual hotel stay where in the olden days, people would take all the plastic single-use uh, shampoo bottles or soap containers and have that as a kind of souvenir for when they go home and often they don't use it. Um, but the idea of excess with hotels is often standard, right? And so this idea of raising consciousness, even of the consumer, even of the guest, to think about how much you really need and to think about waste as a guest. So this is a really interesting new idea I haven't seen at other hotels before. Definitely could be applied to other hotels. You also have nice wine glasses, uh, nice glasses, to use for beer. You have uh, nice plates and reusable cutlery. You don't see any single plastic use. Of course, um, after making tea, after making coffee, 
you would repurpose those grinds or those leaves into the compost part of the waste sorting as well. And it has explanations as well to tell people how to brew it and how to keep the rest for compost. So even the, the tiles, the concrete stone is repurposed from abandoned or derelict buildings and uh, they have repurposed newspaper with their own branding uh, to paper certain walls like outside the toilet wall or something and I, I think it looks cool the rise and wind brewery had the same designer and uh, you can see this at the rise and wind brewery as well so you can see the papered inside door with their own silk screen print um, on newspaper and then inside you change to uh, slippers which is typical Japanese style but it also helps to keep it clean inside and these are the wood in use is either re-salvage, reuse wood or new from the local area and uh, repurposed bits of tile and ceramic are embedded into the floor so another example of reuse and also reduces the amount of carbon because you're reusing instead of making new materials so it helps with uh, energy as well and you can see this is their kudu kudu shop kudu kudu uh in japanese means like come come but it's like a circular circular nuance meaning right um, so the kudu kudu shop is things that are still useful, but you no longer have a use for, but maybe somebody else would like to use it. You donate it to this shop and then people can freely take what they like back to use in their own lives. So like a free cycle idea uh, you often see in other countries, but done in a very stylish way. So it looks like a normal shop. Um, the centerpiece, the chandelier, is made from reused bottles. It's really stylish. And uh, this is the front desk area as well, where you would choose your size of soap as you come into the hotel. Uh, there's clothes around the area, which are part of the Free Cycle Network. So if you see something you like, you can take it home. There are some nice jeans and things, T-shirts. And then outside is a continuation of the Kudu Kudu shop. And they actually had some really stylish, like antique furniture um, and uh, dishes and things. And I think even as visitors, you're allowed to take things away from Kamikatsu, but you're not allowed to leave anything. <laughs> so they don't want you to add to their garbage burden, but you can definitely help them. If you want to take anything away and you just need to uh, sign in at the front desk and register if you're interested in being a part of the Kuru Kuru circular network idea. I love that idea. Isn't it great? All right, let's go next. So this is the reception where you choose your soap and how much tea and coffee you need. Uh, you can see the reuse of some things which has a really nice look doesn't it like you've got the old wood and the new wood and the old cassette player radio which they're still using from like 50 years ago or something here's some of the clothing in the kudu kudu shop the glass chandelier the reuse of the glass bottles looks really beautiful and then she was explaining about the uh waste recycling area and all the different categories and how they're trying to balance um, the needs of locals and the privacy of locals with guests and people who want to learn about this system. Uh, when I first visited Kamikatsu six years ago, this was in a different location and you could pay um, a fee. I think, I think it's about the same, about $30 to have a tour of the waste sorting facility and they'll give you in detail explanations 
about how it works and all the the insights and that also helps to fund the local uh, educators who are running this education scheme at the facility um, and of course supports the local community but that was really interesting I signed up for that um, the first time and the second time I think I did it twice because it was in two different locations so this is the third location I've seen it in but it is really interesting and it's not something you would see in other destinations a central waste sorting system like this especially not in Japan it's quite rare yeah so these are all the different categories and each category also uh, it's very difficult to see behind but it has the yeah, I can't make it bigger. It has the um, price, the cost of recycling, and then the benefit if there's any money that comes back. There's a history of the recycling in Kamikatsu. Here's some of the items in the Kudu Kudu shop. Um, so you can take some of these amazing furniture or bigger items as well as plates and other household items. Uh, one of the things that Azuma-san, who runs the Polestar Cafe, told me on my first trip, she was my guide through the zero-waste sorting um, section, and she told me that uh, one of the nice things about this system, this Kudu Kudu Reuse Free Cycle System, is that if you are a new resident coming to Kamikatsu, that basically it can set you up with everything you need. So if you come without anything to the town, to live in the town, you can get all of your plates, most of your furniture, clothes for your kids, clothes for yourself. Um, so you can basically get set up basically for free with all the things that other members of the community have donated because they no longer need it. So I think this idea of free cycle is also a great way to get and support new residents who you want to attract to your area. How many other areas of Japan or the world can you say that they have this system in place, right? So I thought this was a great asset, not only for visitors to see and for locals to use, but also to appeal to new residents who might be interested in moving to your area. So I love this uh, bento box, this stacked bento box. It's kind of hard to see in the back. Um, but I would love to see restaurants that do takeout to reuse this type of traditional uh, osechi or traditional New Year's Day or traditional picnic style box, which has three layers. So if you're getting a big bento, um, takeout meal for a family or a couple. You could have this gorgeous reusable container with your beautiful foods in it. And then after you eat, you could just drop it back off at the facility. And I think when we eat out of these type of containers in comparison to when we eat out of single-use plastic, you also appreciate the food and the quality of the items inside more. So there's a great argument there for branding. Using high-quality containers is definitely an important part of your branding message or your image for your company or your products. Um, so yeah, these are available freely. You can take, I actually intended to take some of the cute plates and the bento box that they had but I didn't have a chance to go back before I left. But I know that I'm going back in September. So I'm aiming right to this kudu kudu section. I'm going to take advantage of this and bring some home <laughs> to reuse and enjoy in my own house. All right. Let's continue a little bit. Yeah, so here's the stackable bento box. Isn't that pretty? With a little town and mountain motif on the side and I think originally it was all these boxes were made from wood and lacquer. The more recent versions are made of plastic um, but I think this is one of the typical versions made of wood and lacquer which is pretty. 
Now, I love this old box, this old storage box that they had there. And it's if you've got a big truck, it's freely available. If you go to Kamikatsu, I think they'll let you take it away. And it had wooden rollers at the bottom. It was so interesting. I actually saw this in some of the buildings that we visited. I saw the same version um, in a few other buildings. It was really impressive. If anybody knows what they would have used these for, what did they store in them? I was so fascinated by them. Yeah, you can see I took a few photos. Um, this is inside the facility. So we're, oh no, now we're in Cafe Polestar. So Azuma-san, who, uh, Terumi Azuma, who is a Kamikatsu native, she has uh, opened up Cafe Polestar, which is one of the only eateries in Kamikatsu. And she's very active in the community. She was my first guide in the waste sorting section years ago. And uh, she's a great contact for anybody interested in uh, setting something up in Kamikatsu. She knows everybody. She is also coordinating with um, two new recruits to Kamikatsu, working with her, Kana and Linda, uh, running E-Now, I-N-O-W, uh, Kamikatsu, which is kind of a homestay experience program. Um, for longer people to stay and interact with locals doing farming, art, and other activities. But uh, Azuma-san's mom was also one of the first people in the community to be so proactive in thinking about sustainability and zero waste and trying to implement strategies even many years ago. So she is often, her mother is often credited as one of the founders of the Zero Waste Movement in Kamikatsu. And Cafe Polestar, Azuma-san, is doing a zero waste shop so you can refill your own containers with cleaning fluids or tea or um, any of the goods that she makes and sells there. I'm skipping ahead. This is not really in order. <laughs> now I'm in the hotel. Uh, the main onsen hotel, Suki no Yado, right next to the river. We were able to stay there. Beautiful Japanese-style room. And on the table there, you've got your tea-making things. And next to there, it's kind of hard to see, but uh, reusable yukatas that you can uh, use and use their hot spring bath their onsen, and they also provided beautiful uh, plant-based meals for me, but you have to uh, book in advance. And the manager of the hotel took us on a tour. Now, Kamikatsu is famous for its leaf business. And when I first heard that, I thought, leaf business? You can make money from selling leaves? Yes, you can. And Kamikatsu has for a very long time. So here he's showing us the wasabi leaves and uh, beautiful big leaves. I, I would never have known that this was wasabi, the spicy uh, green grated uh, pile that you normally get next to sushi or Japanese food. And uh, so he was showing us the wasabi fields and they also use the leaf for decoration on the plate. So a lot of the leaves which are sold in Kamikatsu and around Japan from Kamikatsu um, are for decoration or as a part of the meal for eating with the meal. So in this case, you can eat the wasabi leaf. And he let us try it. And it wasn't very spicy. It was a very mild flavor, um, really beautiful hint of wasabi in there. And so next time I see it on my plate, I know I can eat it. It's a wasabi leaf. So that was great education for us. But this is actually one of the major industries for the Kamikatsu town is a leaf business for decoration or eating. So that was an interesting insight. Hey, Louise, nice to see you here. 
Yeah, so I'm just going through some of the photos from my most recent trip to Kamikatsu, and this is just part one. So I'll do another talk next week and continue the conversation. So you can see here, this is the wasabi leaf area, and they have some black uh, shade that if it's an especially hot day, they'll bring it over and protect the leaves because they don't grow these leaves because they're edible or on people's plate for decoration. They never grow it using any pesticides or artificial fertilizers. So it's completely organic and natural. So they, he was telling us how uh, the staff who uh, grow the fields, they have to go and pick off the bugs by hand because they're not using any chemicals like true organic style. All right. He was such a lovely guide for us. This is the wasabi leaves close up. And I saw this grasshopper. Such a pretty one. And they have this really nice uh, signboard. So they use this area behind the hotel as a education trail. So leaf education. So if they have students coming to stay at the hotel, um, students can go with their teachers around the back and learn about the leaf industry with the different signboards. And I thought this one was interesting. It's a fringed iris leaf. And so it's a very long leaf and they don't eat it, but they use this leaf any time of year, it grows all year, and they, they fold it into these delicate shapes, which they use to accompany your uh, meal. So for example, they might make a little basket or a little boat shape with it. And then they might put a pile of salt in for your tempura, or they might put some grated ginger there for your soba. So it's used as a natural decoration to accompany high quality Japanese cuisine. And I thought that was so interesting. You sometimes see this in high quality restaurants and of course more sustainable. And what I didn't know is that it's completely locally grown in Japan, not just outside the restaurant, but probably came from Kamikatsu. So that was really interesting. Uh, this is a new bridge. Since the last time I visited, they finished the bridge. And so that was fun to walk across. Hey, Louise, thanks for that word. Thank you so much. And uh, so this is fun. It's kind of gaps in the bridge. So you can see my foot there. As you walk across, you can see the rushing river below. And the river is so beautiful. Um, I stayed next to the river on all three trips that I've been to Kamikatsu so far. And people can camp next to the river. Um, if you use one of the camping sites, the, this onsen hotel is right next to the river. Um, I also rented a house. It's no longer available, but I rented a house uh, near the river. So each time I've stayed in Kamikatsu, I had this beautiful experience of sleeping with the sound of the rushing river as I sleep or as I wake up. And it's just such a beautiful sound of nature. It's one of my favorite things about Kamikatsu destination is this river area. If you come around children's daytime, so May, I want to say May and June, um, you have to check me on that. Um, they have these big streamers across the valley over this river with all the koi nobori, all the streamers, the carp streamers hanging down and floating in the, in the wind. And I'm running out of time, so I won't be able to show you this time. But at the Recycle Reuse shop next to the Y Hotel, they repurpose some of the old Kamikatsu streamers, uh, carp streamers, into jackets, into bags, into different um, products that they can sell using local uh, people who can make a little bit of money. It supports the local economy and they're reutilizing this beautiful carp streamer material in new ways to extend the life of the material, which is of course more sustainable. Um, but if you come during uh, June, 
I want to say May, June again, um, you can see these carp streamers floating and flying above this beautiful river. I actually swam in the river for the first time on this trip. I never swam in uh, on my previous trips. And I realized because this is the first time I came in summer. And I had previously been to Kamikatsu in autumn and spring. So it was too cold to go in the river. But this time it was perfect. Just chilled enough to have a real cool off. And there were a lot of other people there camping and swimming and enjoying the river. I also, uh, on the last day, I also did a wonderful stand up and paddle, which was actually sit up and paddle for me because I didn't stand. I tried to stand and I fell in, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> along the dam and river area. So we started downstream next to the Rising Wind Brewery early morning and we did a beautiful quiet adventure light exercise along that river area so i'll introduce that to you next time because there's no way i'm going to get to that this time so this is the river area you can see here they've got a small bridge bit of rapids but still nice areas for you to have a dip a little swim and this is uh, next to the hotel this is something they started years ago uh, talking to the local people and realizing about the lumber industry and how the market was dropping out for the value of local wood so they started to think about how they could utilize local wood to uh, help decrease their energy use at the hotel. So they decided to use biomass. So they are uh, using the local wood and the local uh, producers are making it into smaller pieces for them. And they're burning this local wood as a way to heat up the water for the hot spring, for the onsen at the hotel and other energy uses. So yeah, it smells beautiful, all these wood chips and they're utilizing the local wood that needs to be thinned from the forest. So it seems like a win-win situation. And they have uh, an imported machine um, from another country, so very highly efficient. And I will end with my first beautiful meal at the restaurant at the hotel the hotel staff did a beautiful job making all this plant-based food for me in traditional japanese style and you can see on the top left uh, was the local shiitake mushroom fresh shiitake mushroom is really famous from the tokushima area and they had it on the grill at my table right there and I think it's a grated yam, grated boiled yam on the top right. And then in the middle is konnyaku sashimi. So it's kind of a veg, it's a vegetable. It's hard to describe, konnyaku. Um, but it is processed in a way that makes it possible to be very similar to fish. So this was a konnyaku, all vegetable style of sashimi with the local citrus and wasabi, as usual with sashimi. And then on the left, we have fresh tofu with a maple leaf on the top. And that was delicious, fresh tofu made at facility. And then in the bottom containers, rice and soup and pickles. So this is a very typical traditional Japanese meal and they were very careful to have all the stock was made with mushrooms and kelp so it didn't have any animal or fish in it. They did a beautiful job. Um, because I know Kamikatsu is famous for leaves and I'm not sure which ones you can eat and which ones you can't eat, that was a, a fun conversation I had every time I sat down for a meal. I always held up the leaf and I asked the staff, can I eat it? <laughs> and of course, 
you can eat the maple leaf, um, but you can eat the shiso leaf and some of the other leaves that were on the meal. So that was a, a fun way to communicate with the local staff every time I had a meal there. Um, and I will end it here because I have so much more to share with you about wonderful visit to Kamikatsu. And I hope that by listening um, to these insights from my trip, that you can also um, learn a bit about other destinations or other places you want to travel to and what to look out for and what things might be more sustainable than the typical business as usual. And I hope from this little talk that you can realize how high quality you can make a visit to a destination or how high quality you can make your destination appeal without using plastic or single-use things with thinking more about how to reuse or how to make things more local, more sustainable without any cost to the local people or the local economy and still have this wonderful appeal for visitors coming from the outside. So anyway, Kamikatsu is a wonderful example. I love talking about it. could talk about it all day. <laughs> but I will end it here and I will do it again next week. I will do a talk like this every week for you. Let me know if you're interested. Thank you so much for your wonderful comments today and awards. You guys are awesome. Appreciate it. Have a great week, everyone. Take care. Bye.